0: going on, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for this evening's proceedings. A little over 24 hours from the Texans beating the L.A. Chargers for the second time in a row. Beat them in 2019 in Carson, a.k.a. L.A., and doing it again yesterday. Now, 2019, I think you could say, yeah. Could see that happening in 2019. I don't know that anybody saw it coming yesterday, and it was absolutely glorious. Another, as I would call it, three-unit win. And I know a lot of you gamble, and you hear three units. It's not that kind. I'm talking about offense, defense, special teams. I mean, even special teams yesterday. Dominic Eberly hitting a 51-yard field goal on his first field goal attempt in the NFL. I mean, when he was trotting out there, I know Mark and Andre were kind of talking on the air like, this is the first attempt. I'm running back behind the goalposts, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Is this going to work? And he just nailed it. Just nailed it. Now, I missed one later, but it didn't matter. Special teams had a great day. They didn't kick the trim on Smith. We didn't punt hardly at all, which was great. Uh, and then offense-defense took care of business. Defense gave up a few points, and obviously they gave up one at the end there that uh, you know wouldn't have, wouldn't have mattered. Had things uh, been different <laughs> a little bit before that. But they held strong when they needed to. They gave up some field goals to keep them out of the end zone. thought the defense did a really nice job. Created three turnovers, scored on interception. And then the offense behind Davis Mills and that running game really got it going on Sunday. That was a three-unit win and a great one at home. And if you were there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mark mentioned it to, on the air. He just talked about getting texts from people that were watching that at home, and they just, the joy, the emotion they had watching that game was just incredible. And the fans that were in the stands at the end, it it was just great. They were loud. They were feeling it. It was really, really cool. It was a great afternoon. And as tough as it will be in Santa Clara on Sunday, you do the same thing you've done the last two weeks. You go and you play. And you just play. Who's available? Who's ready to go? Raise your hand and let's go and see what you got. No harm in that. Just go compete. Just go compete. All right, tonight we're going to hear from John McClain in our next segment. I will take you through the NFL Week 16, but coming up right now, it's our opportunity to talk with Andre Where We had a lot of things to discuss, including a little either-or that popped into my head. And It's funny because it popped into my head as I was watching some highlights of the Bengals and the Ravens on Sunday. And so I asked both Mark and Andre, Burrow or Herbert, and why. We'll get to that in a little bit. Here's Andre. Ware.
1: we had a nice win yesterday. That was uh, <laughs> that was. I think that was the um, the best performance they've had. In a couple of years, really. I mean, last year they won four games. I don't think any win was as good as this one, beating this kind of team. What did you make of what you saw yesterday, the performance top to bottom?
2: Yeah, I thought all three phases, and I heard Coach Cully talk about it, all three phases performed yesterday. Uh, From the standpoint of the offense being consistent for 60 minutes, Ah, uh, the defense when they were on the field, they were consistent uh, the, the the entire time they were there, and then special teams made plays as well. So uh, I think from top to bottom, it was over an overall performance. I think with Davis Mills, when you're looking to uh, to assess a quarterback to see you know where is he going to be, how does he project into the the plans, the future plans of the franchise. He uh, he fared well for himself yesterday. I thought it was by far the best performance, certainly of this this season. Uh, you you guys remember each and every game in detail, uh, but I know you know looking back on the the uh, the games this year, this was by far the best from a top to bottom standpoint.
0: Dre, stay with that with Davis for a second, and the numbers are evident. He's five touchdowns, and one interception. These the last three games that he started, five touchdowns, mm-hmm. one interception. He's had a 92.2 rating or more. I mean, yesterday was 130.6, but he's had 92.2 plus ratings, uh, two wins as a starting quarterback. The numbers, quantitatively, you can see it. But qualitatively, what can you see with Davis in the improvement and what, what do you see as a quarterback from him and as a leader? What are all the things that you're seeing from him that makes you feel like, man, he's making progress?
2: Um, just his ability to see the field. You can you can you can actually tell that he's going through progressions. You can see that he's he's moving defenders with his eyes. There was one point yesterday when he looked to the uh, single receiver side the entire time, knowing that based on the coverage, he was going to go to back. He was going backside. I think it may have been Conley that he went backside to. And uh, it was it was a thing of beauty watching it from a court through a quarterback's eyes, being able to take a safety and move him to open up a throwing lane for your receiver. That that's that's what you want. That's playing at the at the top of your game. And so when you get to that point, now it's just reps. And I always felt like when he got in, when Tarrod was hurt, uh, that they should have just left him in because that you know you you, you grow by playing, and you can tell in these last couple of weeks that the growth is certainly there uh in every aspect of uh of his game.
1: All right, so Dre, they were able to run the ball like as usual for, you know, mm. over a buck fifty uh plus what was it about a buck ninety and Burke yeah, Burke had at his usual 149. Uh, no, what did you make of what they were able to do? These offensive linemen, Dre, you're looking at three new starters from two weeks ago, and never mind what they had out there opening day. I mean, opening day they had Marcus Cannon and Laramie Tunsell, and they were able to run the ball pretty well on opening day against the Jaguars. This is the Chargers we're talking about.
2: Yeah it is and I mean they just bullied the Chargers uh you know at the in the trenches on both sides of the ball at, at times certainly with the offensive line and and I just I was joking with you guys I'm like hmm you know all these guys that are supposed to be better and and starters uh when they were in we didn't see this kind of performance up front. <laughs> and, and, and these are guys some of them coming in and you know having to learn it on the run and not getting you know the benefit of going through training camps and things of that sort and they pick it up and it's it looks as good as it did yesterday it makes you wonder it makes you scratch your head but uh you know when when burkhead we you watch his performance he ran angry yesterday there were times around the uh, in the red zone and around mm-hmm. the goal line he wasn't going to be denied And, uh, you know, when you see that type of performance, he's rewarding the offensive line and uh, and the job that they're doing up front. I think all of it helps Davis Mills uh, to open up things when you add play action to that. Uh, You can't teams just can't sit in there and play the run on first and second when you're having that type of success. And it wasn't like late in the game. It was early on and throughout the game that they were gouging them for four or five yards a run. Uh, It was it was a it was a pretty thing to watch.
0: Dre, Mark and I talked throughout the week. I mean, all three of us talked about every every day there would be transaction report and you're like, Oh man, who's going on a COVID list now? And I remember thinking right. at one point, it just can't be Brandon. It just you can't put just it cannot be Brandon Cooks. I mean, he's that important to this offense. I mean, he's coming off that great game in Jacksonville. I mean, obviously Davis loves throwing the football and i would too i mean everybody loves throwing brandon cooks the football because he's going to get open he's going to make something happen you know he's one of the great receivers in this league and then you see him go on covid and you're like man where's the ball gonna go in the air and then nico mm-hmm. collins has three receptions and a touchdown Revin jordan has four catches for 60 yards all four of them went for first downs the two rookies Really shine in the receiving game with Nico and Brevin. What are you seeing as far as growth, and what are you seeing as far as playmaking abilities from those two stepping up in the void of Brandon Cooks?
2: Yeah, I'll start with Brevin Jordan because I've been a fan of his since the day, you know, since they brought him in here with the draft or when he was drafted, and uh, was excited because I had a couple of Miami games that when he was playing there. Uh, But you're starting to see a guy that now knows the system. That's the thing about. Watching this team at this point now, the guys that have been around, you can tell that they are uh, they are in tune with what's going on uh, with the system. Uh, they know exactly you know where to be on certain routes and things of that sort. Nico Collins is starting to use uh, those physical traits that we saw when the Texans drafted him. Big receiver with some speed, it can body guys up. The slanty caught for a touchdown was was great. Set it up well, an outside move, and just bodied himself between the corner and the football and, uh, and the timing of everything lets you know that they're starting to get in tune with one another there's chemistry being built there so uh that from that standpoint is fun to watch uh the growth of young players is is always fun to watch and and it certainly sets things up for the future or, or things down the road
1: Well, Dre, I'm going to ask Coach Cully this question, and he joked yesterday, you know, he wasn't at Thursday's practice because of a funeral, and he said, maybe I'll miss every Thursday practice from now on, the way things went. Mm. But all kidding aside, you know, you're dealing with a COVID situation where for the last two weeks, these two wins, they've met on Zoom. They haven't even been here, really. They've been in the building sporadically, and they've just been at practice, and they've been meeting virtually from their homes. I find that fascinating considering what they've been going through and the new guys they've added through Zoom. You don't even have time to really bond with your new teammates and things like that. Now, you are getting on-field practice, but that's it. That doesn't last forever. That really is interesting considering the results you're getting.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, it really tells you something about the staff from a standpoint of one of the things that it's, what is hard for a staff to do is make it make sense. And especially with players that haven't been in the building, you know, you've, you've got a tough enough job with the veterans that you brought out of camp and guys that have been around for a while to make it make sense to them. But new guys coming in on a, on a whim uh, because of COVID to make it make sense so that you can put a game plan together and go out and actually execute. And I thought it was a variety of things. It wasn't – you know, they were motioning. They were getting in and out of different sets using sets to set up something else. And that's just flat-out coaching. Um, when you can make it make sense, especially in a short period of time, you give yourself a big-time advantage. And, and that's, that's what coaching really is all about, uh, trying to get the best out of players, make it make sense so that they can follow the game plan and we can call what we want during games and not really have to hold back. And it seemed that the playbook was open yesterday. I don't know that I saw a bunch of plays in a row uh, unless they were big-time successful plays or plays that, you know, you felt like you had the advantage on this this down and distance with this kind of coverage, and we didn't execute well the next time. Let's take advantage of it and let the football go where it's supposed to. But uh, top to bottom, I thought it was a heck of a job from the coaches.
0: Yeah, and to that end, Dre, you know, sometimes coaches plant seeds for players, and it's it's that point in a game where the player is like, "Huh, I remember what coach said on this." And Davis yeah. talked about the touchdown to Nico. I think that was a great example because he said he had a run tag, or he, said he had a pass tag. It was a run play, and he had a mm. pass tag. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know that a veteran quarterback might have remembered that seed that was planted like, hey, you've got this pass tag here that, hey, if that safety gets too close, you'll do this. In the heat of the moment, Davis didn't even bat an eye. He knew, I don't even, uh, and you knew it was a run, and then he just steps back and fires that one to Nico. But the young players are taken to that coaching. I think that's one of yeah. the things that they called a masterful game yesterday, but they're also taken to the coaching. And it may not have been something they talked about yesterday. It may have been something that you know weeks ago they talked about. But in Davis's case, he remembered it, applied it, and then threw a pass, which, by the way, I know I played Ebenezer Scrooge with that whole thing, mm-hmm. but I know if you had the under, you were really, really mad about that.
2: <laughs> no doubt the guys with the under were mad, but – you know, there's a trust that needs to be built between players and the coaching staff to go out and execute certain things. Because if if the players don't believe in, certainly the quarterback don't believe in what you're doing offensively, there's a pretty good chance it's not going to work. And you could start to see that Davis is getting comfortable. The other guys are getting comfortable. Uh, I don't know if there was a signal given to Nico, but he uh, he was certainly alert for what was going on and, uh, and was there for you know to catch catch a touchdown pass. It's it's fun to watch. And when you get on that page with the coaches and there's trust, uh, it's a fun, fun game to play. It's no fun when you don't believe in what what is uh, what it's being run or called or how it's being called. But you can start to see that these guys, especially the younger players, um, are, are starting to really adapt and execute.
1: Well, the Texans are obviously not going to the playoffs, but the Chargers still hope to. They're on the outside looking into that playoff picture right now. What about from their perspective? You know, a friend uh, texted me about this. Chargers didn't have Bosa. The Texans don't even have a Bosa to lose, right? You don't even have somebody like (laughs) that to lose. (laughs) So, I mean, what about that? Okay, great. Good for you guys. But Herbert Dre, to me, look, he didn't have a good game yesterday. We all know that. I think he's a really talented quarterback quarterback. Uh, they have a chance to bounce back here, but what do you think of them and their perspective from what happened yesterday?
2: Uh, I think they got to figure out how to stop the run before they can even consider themselves a playoff team, yeah. and I think that's why they're going to. That's why they're on the outside looking in. Uh, they just can't stop teams from running the ball. When you're giving up 136 a game and 4.6 yards per carry, uh, that's that's tough to fade. You can't outscore that every week. And so you're going to find yourself about a 500-ball club, maybe a game or so above it with now the 17th game. But uh, that's that's about where you're going to be until you can, you can defend the run. Now, Bosa, how much does he help him in that regard? Uh, I would say he, he does. But you got to keep in mind, I text your friend back and tell him, yeah, we had about, you know, three fifths of the offensive line out are reshuffled as well. So mm-hmm. guys that are, you know, playing that we, we, uh, we didn't, we don't know who they are until they, they show up that day, but it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. But I, I think with the chargers, they are very talented offensively, especially with a full complement. with Mike. We'll add Mike Williams to that, that, uh, that receiving core. And then you add as well, Eckert, the, the, uh, the running back Eckler to that, that equation, uh, then they become almost unstoppable on offense. But until they can stop the run, they're going to be about a
0: middle-of-the-road team. Okay. We have not seen one of these guys I'm about to ask you other This is questions for both of you. Dre, you go first. We have not seen one of them up close and personal in the NFL. We just saw one yesterday. But you've got, I don't know, let's just say you've got $100 million to spend and you have to pick one of these two guys to be your starting quarterback face of your franchise. And I know how they were drafted. I get it. But we've seen how they developed, which has been good. Are you picking either Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert? Dre, go. Ooh-wee. That's a tough one.
2: It really is because both are big. Both are athletic. Ooh, both have won. Mm -hmm. I got to go with my frat brother, you know, with Burrow. And uh, for for maybe that reason and that reason alone, because the the talent levels are so close. Uh, They both spread the ball around. Both are just gym rats in terms of, you know, their their need for for knowledge to get better each and every week. But I I would probably go Burrow healthy. Joe Burrow uh, would would satisfy me for for many, many years.
1: I think I'll go with Burrow, too, because I think he's got a little more juice. He's got a little bit more of that, you know, chip on his shoulder kind of yeah, thing I'm going glad on. Yeah, i you said
0: that. That's exactly what I was going to say, too.
1: Yeah, he's got a little bit more edge to him, at least from my perspective, sitting here in Houston watching these guys on television or, you know, seeing them on the field a little bit.
0: I mean, do you see him get upset about Wink Martindale yesterday? Oh yeah. Apparently during the week Wink Martindale was like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback and th- this guy we're about to face, he's not that." And then he lit him up for 525. Mm-hmm.
1: I Well, love, what about what about throwing that. throwing deep late when they're up yes. 20 and John Harbaugh not liking that? And then yet he runs against Denver trying yeah. to set this rushing record. Yes. Like you no, you cannot do that. You cannot complain about that Harbaugh. You know what you should complain about? Losing football games.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, yeah, all three of us, I think. And for that reason, Dre, we take we take Burrow. I mean, they both – it's interesting because they both have pretty similar sort of offensive situations. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. got big-time receiving talent. They've got – I mean, I think Mixon's probably a little bit better than Eckler. But you still have got running back, kind of a run-pass threat in the backfield, and an offensive line. And I think that's the one thing. Slater with the Chargers, I think you can build with going forward. The Bengals, no I think, you still have yeah. to put something in front of Burrow for him to get where he ultimately can go with all the talent around him.
2: Yeah, I think that's the next step for Cincinnati is to build the offensive line because they've got skill position players. I mean, T. Higgins, we don't, you haven't even talked mm. about him, and he goes for one ninety four and two touchdowns. And, and yeah. Chase, who Burrow is, is really uh, kind of on the same page with. So I think it kind of is. It's a wash when you talk receivers of the Bengals and. The Chargers. If you're comparing apples to apples, I, I certainly like Mixon more than I like Eckler. But mm-hmm. the defense of Cincinnati, as well, I think, is a little bit better at this point in the game than uh, than the Chargers. And both are kind of vying for the pl- a playoff spot because it's still in the air whether Cincinnati can win the North or not, or who's going to come out of the North. But, uh, I expect them to at this point, but who knows with two games left on the schedule. But Burrow, what, what's the NFL rec passing yards record for a game? He had to be close with 525.
1: No, no, he well, was he fourth it. because, uh, Matt Schaub and Warren Moon are tied for nah. second with 527. That's Shab I, I
2: knew they the were keeping yeah. it close.
1: Schaub, all right. So Schaub, um, uh, did it in the overtime, went over yeah. Jacksonville here in 2012. And I'll, I'll never forget that. Oh, yeah. my gosh, he tied Warren Moon for second in this, uh, in this passing record for one game. Norm Van Brocklin has the all-time yes. record, which is ridiculous. It's insane wow. to think
0: this passing league we've become, and all of a sudden it's this guy, Norm Van Brocklin, who did it back in the – I think it was back in the 50s. 500, it's
1: 1951, 554, 554 yards. What wow. happened? But the Dutchman <laughs> uh, did it.
2: It must have been a lot of catch and runs, you know, and mm-hmm. you had a receiver that nobody could, could maybe cover or something because they just didn't throw the ball like
0: that back then.
1: No, they didn't. Crazy
0: but, legs. That was crazy legs, Hirsch days, I think. <laughs> I think. I don't know. No don't cool. And me on ladies that. and gentlemen, <laughs> run.
1: Uh, you know. Yeah. That was before NFL films even had the. Boom boom boom, 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 I mean, that was a long time ago. Back then, NFL highlight videos were like. They didn't know that they should marry that kind of music, the Bavarian marching music, to the NFL video stuff, well, films, and create what they did in the 60s. Anyway, Dre, you wouldn't happen to know anything about bowl game cancellations and what's that what that is like or how many stories would you?
2: <laughs> yeah, I got a got one that uh, I certainly didn't expect. I got all the way to Hawaii um, on Thursday uh, for a bowl that was to take place on Friday, Friday, the Hawaii Bowl at three o'clock uh, local time there, which would have been about seven here, 7 p.m. here. And I uh, was on the ground for about an hour and 40 minutes. And then all of a sudden uh, my phone started buzzing that, You know hey sorry that happened and this that and the other and i was like wait a minute what's going on and i was out with jason benetti my play-by-play announcer and and uh paul carcaterra who does a great job from the sideline and he you know all of us started getting it at the same time and we kind of looked at each other and like you got to be kidding me we all got there to hawaii from you know different parts paul coming from new york my myself from houston and jason from chicago and then the game cancels so the next day i turned right back around to fly to Houston, which was part of the plan anyway, but I expected to call a game in between and uh that game just didn't happen. So you go about as far away as you possibly can only to have a game canceled on you.
1: I mean, that's just crazy. Amazing. And crazy. Sun Bowl is off too, by the way. Miami pulled out because of COVID issues and I think I just read a push notification that 10,000 flights have already been canceled. Uh, since the start of the Omicron wave. so well,
0: that, that was – we were texting back and forth about that and, you know, about flights being canceled. And we were texting the, the three of us, and Trey's like, oh, man. And that's when it hit me like, holy crap, is Trey going to get back? Because you said yeah. you were in Hawaii. I was like, man, baller. You like, went between not, games to Hawaii? This, and then I forgot <laughs> you were doing a bowl game. <laughs> it's,
2: not, it's not like I could hop in a car and, you know, drive to an airport yeah. you know, in mm-hmm. a different city and take off. Yeah. From there, it's, you know, you're in Hawaii, halfway over the Pacific. So, yeah, like, well, you know, let's just keep our fingers crossed. And I knew I had a pretty good chance of getting back because my flight was the only nonstop uh, on United from Houston to Hawaii and then back, uh, Hawaii back to Houston. So I thought there was a pretty good chance that it would stay and not cancel. And obviously, that's what happened. But otherwise, uh, we'd have been scrambling, boys. I've been coming in hot.
1: Well, (laughs) We're going in hot to. Oh, wait, What's your next bowl though?
2: Uh, Wednesday, Oregon, Oklahoma, and the Alamo. So I'm looking forward to that. With mm-hmm. two really, really good quarterbacks, and Anthony Brown and Caleb Williams for Oklahoma, uh, and Anthony Brown for Oregon, respectively. They, they uh, both have played well this season. Both teams are, I think, very well matched. That uh, it could be one of the more interesting
0: games, bowl games of the bowl season heck yeah it's gonna be interesting and yeah. it's gonna be interesting for anthony brown next year because bo Nix transferring from mm-hmm. A- auburn oh. to oregon man dre this transfer portal quarterback movement in college football is absolutely it's So to see what's going on you think it's good for the sport you think it's not good
2: oh um i think coaches are gonna adapt to it so I don't know that it's necessarily bad. It's bad from a standpoint of, you know, what are you really teaching guys? What are you teach? Are you teaching life skills? Because everything I approach, especially with, with young men or young younger players, my basketball team, I, I'm trying to teach life skills uh, in the process of, of sports as well. And I just don't know what you're learning by not competing. Comp- competition is in life in in everyday life is everything you're going to compete in some way shape or form for jobs for whatever it is and what are you really teaching when you open it up like that where a guy can just hey i'm going to transfer and not be able to sit out and and uh and keep it moving but uh it is what it is coach college coaches refer to it as as free agency that's how they approach it they are you know band-aiding their their rosters through it uh, I know Dana Holgerson at, at the University of Houston believes in it wholeheartedly, and so do a lot of coaches around the country. So it's not going anywhere anytime soon. The NCAA did it, and so now we all have to kind of live with it. Uh, they've they've uh, they've messed up a couple of things that I probably would have done differently, Johnny. That I don't know. I'm not sure we we have enough time in the show to yeah. to, to discuss.
0: Oh, we're going to need a few days for that. There's no doubt about that. Appreciate Dre for stopping by. Coming up next. Some words of wisdom from John McClain, the general, right here on Texans All Access. All Access. All Access. All Access. All Access. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris Football, know a sideline reporter, and I know we've got some big fans out there. But i got to give some props to today's biggest fan, and that's Dykin. These guys are doing big things in our city of Houston. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's Daikin. It's time to catch up with the General John McClain in this segment brought to you by our friends at Mattress Firm, the official mattress retailer of your Houston Texans. We had a number of things, but the word that came up most with John was shocked. Weren't we all?
1: General, what do you make of it? What do you make of what you saw yesterday?
0: I was stunned. I
3: picked the Chargers by 20. Saw no reason to pick the game closer because of all the players the Texans had out. Worst running game in the NFL, worst roster, worst passing game in the NFL, 31st in, in passing, uh, and then, of course, the worst run defense and what they do. I look back, I cannot remember a stranger game other than the victory at Pittsburgh in 0-2. What was it, 46 yards and a three yep, returns for to touchdowns? That was you know, that was another one. That was a head shaker, and so was this. And the thing that was the most unbelievable, with all those starters out in the offensive line, to run the ball the way they did, 189 yards, 5.3 a carry. And then Rex Burkhead, how do you figure? 149 yards and two carries. And people say, well, the Chargers' run defense wasn't good. Neither was the Jets. The Jets' run defense was second worst in the league at the time. So Burkhead was unbelievable. I figured it up. In the fourth quarter, he had eight carries for 64 yards when they were trying to stay ahead and run the clock. And he had 80 yards on four carries, 25, 15, 36, and 14. And so those offensive linemen I wrote today, those are the guys that should be praised before anybody is the offensive lineman and James Camp and the line coach and the players he was using who were, let's see, I mean, none of them, was a regular starter. Even Charlie Eck wasn't a starter at the beginning of the year. Mag Sharping had been benched. So it was an unbelievable job starting with the offensive line.
0: John, I think what's different, well, not that I think I know what's different from that Steelers game was the offense might as well have just stayed on the sideline that day. They didn't do anything. The defense handled its business. Yesterday, you had all three units contributing to the win. You had the offense being effective and efficient at all times. And by the way, in the fourth quarter, right here, the four drives in the fourth quarter 13 plays, 70 yards, Burkhead touchdown. Eight plays, 40 yards, 30 yard, Eberly field goal. Seven plays, 72 yards, Mills to Collins, 13 yard touchdown. One play, victory formation. And John, I think that might be one of the most mystifying things to me that in the second half this year, we've seen this team do, do I don't want to say almost nothing, virtually nothing. And then yesterday, when it was winning time, that fourth quarter, they really took over. To you, what's the one thing that stood out more than anything else? Was it the run game? And if it was the run game, what would you say is next? Because you did talk about the offensive line, how great it was.
3: Well, first of all, the run game is the worst in the NFL. It's the worst I've ever seen in 45 years covering the NFL. And then all of a sudden, they're great. That's why I say it starts up front. Burkhead did a tremendous job. Even Royce Freeman had 34 yards. They were able to run the ball, control the clock, second most uh, dominant on time of possession this season to that opening game, Jacksonville. They've scored on the first series a touchdown three games in a row when they were so touchdown challenged in the first quarter for the longest time. And somebody may say Davis Mills. No, I've been writing and broadcasting on 610 for weeks now. He's going to be the quarterback next year. I see these people having him take a quarterback in the first round. That was never going to happen. You know, they like what they've seen of Mills behind the scenes and practice as a leader, the way he interacts with his teammates and meetings. They just like everything about him. Now they're not saying he's Deshaun Watson or he's a franchise quarterback, but they like where Mills is right now and they're going to build around him And then if he can handle it next year, he's the guy. If not, then Nick Casario will start to get someone else. Now we've got to be fair to the, to the Chargers. I mean, they were missing Austin Eckler, 17 touchdowns, Mike Williams, seven touchdowns. But on defense, they were missing Joey Bosa, who's unvaccinated and his nine and a half sacks. But they didn't have out nearly as many players as the Texans did. And that's another thing, coaches, First of all, start with Casario and the personnel people. They're dealing with an unprecedented situation, and it's almost hourly that you have to work. They've done a tremendous job. Then you go to the coaches. You know, they got players coming in and out even more than they have been because of COVID-19. They've done a tremendous job. And then the players have done a tremendous job. The player that I was happiest for was Jonathan Owens. And I tweeted this, and I used this on the Chronicles TV show channel two last night. For this week at least, he is not Simone Biles' boyfriend. She's his girlfriend.
1: That is awesome. Jonathan Owens, second start and two takeaways yesterday. General, the San Francisco 49ers are next. They're coming off a loss at Tennessee. We know who beat Tennessee at Tennessee. So what do you think coming up? Obviously, the 49ers are fighting for their playoff lives here, but so were the Chargers. Texans go on the road. What do you think Sunday?
3: Until yesterday, the Chargers had the second spot in the wild card race behind
1: Indianapolis,
3: and now they don't have it. They've got to earn their way back into one of the wild card bursts. San Francisco still still has a spot secured, and they've got to win. And I'll guarantee you, And you guys know this, Kyle Shanahan and defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, and those guys, this game got their attention. And you know they're going to be talking to their players a lot. See what happened to the Chargers when they weren't ready for the Texans? You can't be in that situation. we got to be ready. They're going to be hitting on that all week. And a big key, of course, is Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo had two interceptions and one touchdown in Tennessee. He missed some passes. People are saying start Trey Lance. I thought back early in the season by this time it'd be Davis Mills versus Trey Lance. And, you know, Mills has beat Lawrence twice, barely lost to Mac Jones. And it's interesting. Mills has outplayed Trevor Lawrence, first overall pick, and Justin Herbert, who's starting quarterback in the Pro Bowl, in the last two games. Now he's got Garoppolo and Ryan Tannehill and people in Tennessee still have rumblings that Derrick Henry could be back. I still think that's wishful thinking when he broke his foot, had to have surgery. But uh, I think that the, Mike Rabel and Kyle Shanahan will be talking about this Texans game and what they did to the Chargers to their teams a lot the next two weeks.
0: John, The Cardinals may have gotten bailed out in some sense by getting a playoff berth, even though I think the Rams ended up sealing the division yesterday. But the Cardinals are heading (laughs) downward in a bad, bad way. If this thing continues going badly for the Cardinals, win a game down the stretch, but get bounced in the playoffs early. Could it cost Cliff Kingsbury? What do you expect happens in Arizona? And does your guy Matt Rule... Have anything to worry about when the season's over in Carolina?
3: No, Cliff Kingsbury's going to come back, even if they do an El Foldo, because they remember how bad and non-competitive they were before he got there. And as far as Matt Rule, he signed like a seven-year contract, and this is only two years, and he's had a lot of injuries. That's going to be a team that's really going to be in hot pursuit of Deshaun Watson. They were in hot pursuit of Deshaun Watson uh, this this past season and this year and they don't have a quarterback and they got serious financial issues in quarterback with based on what they gave up for Sam Darnold and are paying Sam Darnold but with the cap going up about 20 million you can work around it so the key is would Deshaun approve a trade to a city that's 200 miles from his hometown and close to a lot of his friends in Atlanta which is one of his Favorite cities, but they have to get a quarterback issue solved. And their defense have played real good. Now it's gone down the tubes, and he needs another offensive coordinator. And it's not his fault. Christian McCaffrey's been hurt for two years, but they—he is. People over there say he is on the hot seat, especially since he fired Joe Brady two weeks ago. And uh, there's a lot of coaches right got now, right now, got to be kind of shifting in their seats. Worry because you can start interviewing people for coach and GM right now this week. So people are waiting. Okay, will teams start firing them? You got two that are going to be able to look and get a head start, but uh, will there be more? And there's some of them looking over their shoulder, that's for sure.
1: Dolphins and Saints tonight, General. Who do you have?
3: Boy, the Saints starting in book. They talked to Philip Rivers about coming back since his high school season's over. They checked with Drew Brees to see if he'd be willing to come out of the NBC booth. It, I, I just, we're going to look back on these times of how COVID-19 wreaked havoc on the NFL. Ian Book, a rookie quarterback, fourth team is going to be starting. Now, the Saints, if anybody can overcome it, they got a running game. They got a defense. I picked them to win before I knew it was Ian Book, but I still think I would pick them to win. And uh, Miami course is on that roll, but uh, I have the Saints getting the last wild card spot in the NFC last week, so I'm going with the Saints.
1: All right, General. Well, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch up later.
3: Thank you.
0: You heard early in that segment when John said he predicted the Chargers by 20. I sort of I I don't want to say I was taken aback, but I was kind of like whoa. And look, I think that was the general sentiment. I can't tell you the number of messages, DMs, texts, even calls in some cases that were like, "I, I didn't see that coming." We did. We didn't see that coming. Well, yeah, I don't think anybody did. Vegas had them as a ten and a half point favorite, and they got beat by twelve. I mean, look, it's you know the NFL. This is one thing you definitely. Uh, Don't want to gamble on. I can promise you that. Um, It's just, yeah. They showed up yesterday and played their guts out. And it was really, really fun to watch. It was really fun. I mean, just outstandingly fun to watch. So, appreciate the general for stopping by. Now, tonight is Monday Night Football. That means Dolphins and Saints. It also is an opportunity for you to go grab a true Texas original, and that's Miller Lite, first brewed in Texas in 1975. It's the original light beer. And they're celebrating 20 seasons of the Houston Texans. Check out the limited edition 16-ounce commemorative cans at your nearest beer store. Miller Lite's been a championship partner of those Texans for the last two decades, great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer with great taste delivered by going to MillerLight.com slash buybeeronline and find the delivery option near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. And great for Monday night football. Dolphins, the Saints. Tonight, Ian Book versus Tua tonga Yeah, I'm sure you saw that happening in 2021. All right, we're going to go round the league. What happened in the NFL on Sunday? In some places, it was magical. Houston, in some places, it was a wee bit shocking, kind of, in Foxborough. We'll hit it all next right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this final segment of a Monday edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter and former teacher, and I am calling all of my fellow teachers out there. You want to bring a little Texans football to your classrooms? Then sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by Phillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. All right, let's go around the NFL because there was plenty that happened this weekend. Cue up my music, and let's finish strong. 22 points was the theme on Saturday in the Browns-Packers-Colts-Cardinals game. 22 points in a loss for the Browns to the Packers as the Packers win 24-22. 22 was good enough for a win in Arizona for the Colts to get a win over the Cardinals. Carson Wentz with an unbelievable touchdown throw to beat the Cardinals. Cardinals still reeling, but... They make the playoffs due to the Rams getting a win against the Vikings. So the Rams win the NFC West. The Cardinals are in the playoffs. Packers, they're in the playoffs already. They've they've secured the NFC North. They're now looking to secure the number one seed. And I think they'll do it with one more win. I think that's all it's going to take for them. Then on Sunday, the Falcons took on the Lions 20-16 as the Falcons stay alive in the playoff race at 7-8. and eight. Matt Ryan threw 215 yards and one touchdown. Kyle Pitts went over 100 yards as the Falcons get a win as Foley Olkhan had a pick late in the game to seal it. Detroit falls to 2-12 and one. The Bengals beat the Ravens, and Joe Burrow went freaking crazy. 525 yards, four touchdowns. They beat the Ravens 41-21, dropped the Ravens to 8-7 and seven as the Bengals – Stay atop the NFC North at 9-6. The Vikings lose to the Rams at home. Not good in Minnesota. The Rams clinch the NFC West at 11-4. Rams 30, Vikings 23. Vikings fall to to 7-8 playoffs. Going to be tough. The Bills beat the Patriots. Josh Allen went nuts 314 yards passing three touchdowns 12 carries 64 yards he led the Bills in both categories they beat the Patriots Bills now move to the top of the AFC East at 9 and 6 New England is now 9 and 6 they split the games it'll be a great two-game race down to the end Jags lose on the final play of the game they can't get it in from the half yard line jets win 26 21 connor mcdermott offensive lineman caught a touchdown speaking of offensive lineman catching touchdowns lane johnson caught a touchdown for the eagles as they move to eight and seven beating the g-man 34 to 10 philadelphia is eight and seven and michael irvin is looking that much more smart or smarter, however you want to look at it. Bucks beat the Panthers 32-6. It wasn't even close. The Bears went for two late. Nick Foles makes the throw to the mere bird. They win it 25-24. The Chiefs house the Steelers. The Steelers look like they want this season over. The Raiders kept the season alive, beating the Broncos in Las Vegas. And last night, the Cowboys put it all over the Washington football team, 56 to 14. And that was week 16 in the NFL with one to go tonight. Dolphins in New Orleans against Ian Book and the Saints. Big thanks to Andre Ware, to John McClain, of course to my pal Mark Vandermeer. We will see you tomorrow, everybody, and as always, go Texans.